0: On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Sandy Monroe, AKA the Teardown Titan, returns to discuss Tesla from his unique manufacturing expert point of view, including the latest Cybertruck sightings. Plus, Tesla tweaks Model Y and Model 3 prices again, FSD beta version 11 appears to finally be imminent and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey here with you for episode 393 of Ride the Lightning, this one for February 12th, 2023. And 393 means this is a palindrome. Coming up later in this podcast, as you heard at the top, Sandy Monroe coming back uh, to this podcast for the second time. Coincidentally, Sandy's first appearance here was back on another palindrome episode, 252. So that's just a strange coincidence, but I'm looking forward to talking to him about everything going on in the world of Tesla from his very, very unique perspective. Uh, Also, I'm recording most of this early this week because I've got Friday evening plans with my wife. So as always, on the occasions where I have to record earlier than usual, uh, if anything big breaks on Friday I will cover it for you in detail next week, no problem. Hey, remember, by the way, when I told you about the new Cybertruck beta build sighting last week with those triangle-shaped side view mirrors that I'm definitely a fan of, if there've got to be mirrors on there, these look much better than what was on there before. Well, one thing that didn't show up in the video of that, that beta Cybertruck, which did include the truck's brake lights coming on, that video didn't show the light bar across the top of the tailgate. that's just two little brake lights on you know the edges, the corners of the body at the back. Well, thankfully, Elon Musk took to Twitter to reassure everyone that the light bar will be carried over from the prototype to production, tweeting quote, "Production will have a red light bar." And I, for one, am glad to hear this because to me, the red light bar did look super cool on the prototype, and it's going to look really good on the production version, too. I presume that this beta that was cited in Palo Alto just either had it disabled or not installed or not working, whatever the case may be, because it's, you know, it's a pre-production truck. They're not necessarily getting everything up to full full production levels at all times. They're, they're tweaking various things and installing certain things and not others, so I'm glad that... Uh, That little design exercise is is no longer an issue. We will have that light bar to look forward to. Hey, I hope all of you backing me at the ludicrous tier or higher on my Patreon enjoyed this week's lightning round mini episode, which was about my story of how I came to buy my DeLorean. Uh, I was inspired by Doug DeMuro, the car YouTuber, the car reviewer on YouTube who I've mentioned before. I really enjoy watching Doug's videos. He really seems like a genuine car guy. Well Doug purchased his all-time dream car, a Porsche Carrera GT uh, just recently and made a whole video just sort of telling t- telling his story of, of how he's, how much the Carrera GT's meant to him over the years and how much it meant to him to finally actually get one. So that inspired me to just share my story on Patreon in the weekly lightning round bonus mini episode of actually how I came to buy my DeLorean and and I was lucky enough to get my own dream car back, uh, well, gosh, quite a while ago now, 1999. But I was lucky to have it for the 12 years that I did. A quick side thing as well before I get started with the rest of this week's news. It seems that Elon Musk has not forgotten about the Tesla Master Plan Part 3 that he'd promised us Gosh, months ago at this point. Earlier this week, he tweeted, quote, Master Plan 3, the path to a fully sustainable energy future for Earth, will be presented on March 1st at the upcoming Tesla Investor Day. And he adds, the future is bright. So again, uh, if you'd like to hear those lightning round episodes, there are 34 of them now that range between... Eh, 10 minutes on the low side, most of them are 15, this one actually went 30, but I've got 34 of those up there now, and if you join the Patreon uh, to support the podcast at that $10 a month tier or higher, you will get instant access to all 34 of those, as well as every new one I do each week, and again, a reminder there that the annual pledge, if you want to do that, just want to pledge once for an entire year of support There is a 10% discount on that annual pledge now, so you can learn more on my Patreon page found at patreon.com slash podcast. All right, let's get to the rest of the Tesla news. First up, more price adjustments from Tesla this past week, though admittedly nothing even remotely as drastic as what we saw a few weeks ago. Model Y prices unfortunately went back up a bit. The Model Y long range dual motor increased by $1,500 from basically $53.5 to $55, while the Model Y performance up $1,000 from $57 to $58,000. However, there's good news on the Model 3 side as the base Model 3 rear wheel drive got a $500 haircut going from 44 to 43.5 now. So let's talk about the Model Y first. Those price increases were no doubt in response to the spiked demand since those previous drastic $13,000 price cuts, which certainly is a good problem for Tesla to have. Wanting to tweak your prices up and down and back up again uh, to plan out your year because your demand is clearly very, very high. Now the Model 3's $500 price trim, I don't think we can even call that one a quite a price cut, more of a price trim, that one's a little more surprising to me, honestly. I mean, I suppose I'm, if I'm gonna stand by what I just said about the Model Y price related to its demand, I have to apply that same logic to the Model 3 as well. So perhaps the base Model 3 isn't seeing quite as strong of a demand spike as, as maybe Tesla had hoped for after those recent big price cuts. So they're shaving off a little bit more to try and make sure that they've got enough demand to meet the supply that they plan to produce out of both the Fremont factory and Giga Shanghai this year. And if you're curious, The model three long range dual motor remains unavailable to order. It is still not on the menu. Now there were a handful of them in new inventory, but when I checked again earlier this week, as I was putting this podcast together, there were zero showing up. I tried both my California zip code and I also tried my childhood New Jersey zip code, just to get a completely different area of the country, still nothing, zero of those dual motor long range Model 3s showing up. So at this point, I wonder if the long range is gonna stay gone until the Project Highland revamp comes online in the second half of the year. Though, I mean, I guess I suppose Tesla could bring the long range back anytime it wants if they feel they need to help push demand a little bit higher. But that is where we stand now with both the Model 3 and Model Y. Speaking of demand, how many products that cost tens of thousands of dollars do you know of that see a 900% year-over-year sales growth? It's gotta be a short list, but Tesla's in Germany is now on that list i saw this story on teslarati who writes compared to january of 2022 tesla sales in germany in january of 2023 exploded by 912.2 percent which is only the beginning of the good news in january of last year tesla had no operational vehicle production facility in germany as gigafactory berlin awaited approval to begin manufacturing their cars uh, they were waiting for that approval from the government vehicles instead were shipped from the gigafactory in shanghai which was considered the company's export hub for the european market as giga berlin as we all know wouldn't be approved until march so thank you Tesla, Roddy, for the heads up there so obviously yes i mean this this is this gaming the numbers a little bit not like gaming as in manipulating but it's i guess it's a it's a careful selection (laughs) of numbers, but hey, we just got done with January. So it's not like we're just picking random times like, all right, January, 2023, these were Tesla sales in, in Germany versus this time a year ago, January, 2022. So yeah, obviously having a local Tesla factory churning out a few thousand Model Y per week compared to relying on those imports from Giga Shanghai is going to goose your sales. But still, that is one heck of a year-over-year leap to make, and while it's unlikely to be that drastic of a boost again when we get to January 2024 and compare it to January 2023, it's still likely to be another pretty healthy boost in another year from now, given that by next year, Giga Berlin should be humming right along at 5,000 cars produced per week. Now, Teslarati added some good context here. If you're curious about other car makers in Germany, they add other brands that saw dramatic increases in sales volume include Maserati, MG, and Suzuki. However, the only mass market player that neared Tesla's growth was Nissan, which sold 1,998 units in Germany in January of 2023, growing by 49% compared to last year. Most other brands that saw sales growth during the month were luxury brands like Mercedes, Ferrari, Jaguar, and Land Rover. So good news for Tesla in Germany where they are going in there, competing with the Mercedes, you know the, the local the local power trio, the, their local big three of Mercedes, Audi, and, uh, who the heck am I? BMW. Sheesh, I almost blanked out on that one. BMW and, and, uh, as well as Mercedes and Audi. So, uh, this is great news, obviously. Tesla's gonna continue to grow in Germany, which is such an important car market. And, and you know, it's all of Europe is a very important car market, but Germany specifically is, uh, is certainly important. And it's good to see. Go Giga Berlin! Next up this week... If you've been wondering where fsd beta version 11.3 is because it's been mentioned for a good while now you're not alone elon musk gets asked about this on a daily basis on twitter and this past week he chose to respond to one of those inquiries saying quote v11 has been tougher than expected as it is a significant re-architecture of the neural networks plus many more neural networks replacing C++ code. We're hoping to ship version 11.3 by the end of the week. Now, what does the end of the week mean? He tweeted this last Saturday. So perhaps, grain of salt, but perhaps by the time you hear this, it's begun rolling out. But on on that, you know, big, very, air quotey, perhaps, word, I will add a word of caution once again there. It is almost certainly gonna go out to the internal Tesla employee testers first. It's not to say we might not hear about it from some of them, even though officially they're under NDA, so we probably won't. But most likely going out to the internal Tesla employee testers first. Then the FSD YouTubers out there, like Chuck Cook, after that, and then out wide to the rest of us in the FSD beta program. Elon even saying that it's likely gonna be 11.3.2 that goes out wide. So even if it has begun pushing out by the time you hear this, it is probably gonna take another couple of weeks before it reaches the vast majority of our cars. And I will say that while I am excited to get it, I also completely get why Tesla's being extra deliberate and extra careful with this one because I, they're just, they have to be. They, I'm happy they're they are being this cautious. You don't just want them to dump version 11 out there because it's been a while since we had a, a software update on the FSD beta front. Number one, you don't want to just dump it because it could be unsafe and Not that I think they would do anything unsafe in in a deliberate way like that, to be clear. But number two, because it just wouldn't be a fun experience for the testing group to have version 11 just dumped out there if it's underbaked, if it's not ready for prime time yet. And I know that, that being in this beta program's not necessarily about fun as much as it is gathering real world data for Tesla's neural nets to help train the network and ultimately make the system better. But I do imagine that now that the FSD beta is widely available to anyone that requests it, who's paid for FSD by either full price or a monthly subscription, that Tesla does need to be extra careful with it because this isn't the small external testing group anymore that it was, what, a year and a half ago, that, that uh, is a group of people that I think is fair to categorize as more than happy to put up with potentially significant bugs, right? That's, when you had your small testing group, that's by definition the kind of folks that, that tend to be in it. But, you know, now it's still a beta, certainly, but it's an open beta that a lot Of people 400,000 plus have access to still though it does seem like we are finally nearing the release of this which when it happens is gonna mark another significant milestone for FSD beta progress and hopefully the good kind of milestone I've full expectation that it will be a good kind of milestone the next story I have for you this week However, much stock you want to put into all of the various Consumer Reports rankings that, that are out there, that's up to you. But Drive Tesla Canada reports that Tesla ranks second behind Genesis, that's of course Hyundai's luxury sub brand, in the latest Consumer Reports Most Loved Brands ranking. And if you're curious, it beat out brands like Toyota and Mercedes. And as Drive Tesla Canada notes, Tesla has been confirmed as the second car brand that Tesla's that buyers, pardon me, will most likely buy again. They were only bested by Genesis by a few points. Also in the top five are BMW, Subaru, which yeah, that's, that's a little bit of a surprise, nothing against Subaru, but still kind of a uh, little surprised to see that one. And then Lexus, which of course is owned by Toyota, which Toyota came in 6th right behind Lexus. At the end of the rankings, if you're curious at the other end of the spectrum, the least liked brands which is, as I agree with with Drive Tesla Canada here surprisingly includes Mercedes. Mercedes at the bottom also Volkswagen and Infiniti. Consumer Reports surveyed more than 300,000 vehicles from among their large subscriber base. The owner satisfaction score is calculated from the percentage of owners that respond yes to whether they will buy a particular brand if they had to choose again. So I prefaced all of that with the how much stock you put into Consumer Reports is up to you because interestingly, we've got the opposite situation with what I'm about to share with you. Consumer Reports ranked Tesla seventh in active driving assistance systems. Yes, Autopilot f- ranking seventh in Consumer Reports' uh, list of that. Now, which, I mean, to be fair, I haven't tried other car companies' active driving assistance systems, but the Autopilot's not perfect, but it's pretty darn good. Uh, I'm a little surprised that it's seventh. Anyway, I am not surprised, as much as I am surprised that Tesla's seventh in the active driving assistance system ranking, I am not surprised that they came in second in the most loved brands ranking because everybody listening to this, whether you're an owner or you're saving up to be an owner, we know firsthand how Tesla's just burrow into your heart and soul in the very best of ways when you get to drive one, right? So I will say kudos to Genesis, that sub brand of Hyundai, You know, they they do have a couple of EVs, so I'm gonna say no doubt those factored into these very high brand scores from owners. I I expect that they did. Meanwhile, uh, just a quick comment on the other end of those rankings, the bottom. I am a former Infinity owner, a a one-time owner, and I don't plan to own another one because I'm gonna stick with Tesla, but I'm kind of surprised that Infinity's down there. And also not surprised that it's one of the least liked brands. Because I will say, I loved my G35 Coupe. That was before Tesla existed. I I bought that car in 2006. But I'll say this, every time I would go to the dealership for service with that car, which, I mean, I went to the dealer for service back when it was under warranty. But I would sometimes just walk around the showroom and See what you know what else was in there year in and year out as, as new models would come in. And I'll be honest with you, everything else in the Infinity lineup at the time kind of bored me. It, it's like the G35 coupe was this awesome anomaly in their lineup, and nothing else, for me anyway, even came close. But unfortunately, the G35 coupe is long dead now, and I have not Personally, I haven't really seen anything interesting from Infinity in a while. So, I guess that's where I'm not surprised. But, I don't know. It's neither here nor there. I only comment on that just cuz I the, the car I had before my Tesla was an Infinity. But I do agree with Drive Tesla Canada about Mercedes. That to me is a big surprise. I wonder what those owners don't like about their cars. I mean, the EQS sedan and the EQS SUV from, I mean, I've watched Doug Demiro's videos on those cars. They seem like excellent luxury EVs. Although I guess if I think a little bit more about it, those cars are so new that they probably didn't factor into the rankings at all this year. So maybe they will help to get Mercedes off of that naughty list with Consumer Reports next year. Anyway, next up this week, NHTSA is considering enforcing pedestrian noisemakers on EVs made as early as 1997. This is the final story I have for you this week. And it is a head scratcher for me. I kind of debated. It's like, should I talk about this? But then I was like, no, yeah. I mean, I've got a strong opinion here. I should share it. And the fact of the matter is this would affect a lot of you. Any of you with a with a Tesla built in, well, built before September of 2019 or so, give or take a month, and that includes my car. I mean, my car does not have a pedestrian warning system. It is just quiet all the time. So listen to this. Again, uh, tip of the cap to Tesla Roddy for the write-up here. NHTSA received a petition last July that argued... All EVs and hybrid electric cars, regardless of the date of manufacture, should have these noisemakers to warn pedestrians. According to NHTSA's Office of Defect Investigation, the petition aims to find any car without these required noisemakers as having a safety defect. Federal motor vehicle safety standards number 141 was passed in 2018 this is a this is a bill of sorts it required all evs and hybrid electric vehicles with a gross vehicle weight of 10,000 pounds or less to have pedestrian noisemaker sounds that would allow people to hear whether a vehicle was nearby at low speeds evs and hybrid electric vehicles make relatively no noise due to their lack of an active combustion engine at travel rates of lower than 19 miles an hour Cars manufactured on or after March 1st of 2021 were required to have some form of noisemaker that would alert pedestrians that they were nearby. And again, my distinct recollection of this is that Tesla started putting them in in about September of 2019. And uh, the freakish weird reason why I remember that so vividly is because I did the... uh, uh, I helped out at the Fremont delivery center with an, with another group of owners from the local club, the Silicon Valley Tesla Owners Club, to help new owner you know, at the at the end of the quarter push. I did as I have done before and went and and just walked around and just tried to help the the Tesla employees out by answering questions for for new customers just taking their delivery of their cars, and I just remember that. The cars, you know, the Fremont Delivery Hub was very busy, especially at the end of a quarter. And so, and I had done this, as I said, I had done this at the end of quarters before. And so, but that time stood out to me because it used to be a completely quiet thing. But now with all the comings and goings of of new cars, new owners taking delivery, you'd hear the the pedestrian warning speaker system on the, these new Teslas on the, when the cars go forward, they make a certain sound up to 19 miles an hour, and when they're in reverse, they make another kind of sound. And And I just remember taking note of that, and that it, it had just started right then, near the end of the quarter in September of 2019. Anyway, I guess that's neither here nor there. Uh, continuing the Tesla Rotti story, documents from NHTSA estimate the potential defect, again, this is NHTSA's wording, could affect 9.1 million cars, with vehicles from Nissan, Jaguar, Polestar, Tesla, Ford, BMW, Kia, Honda, Porsche, Land Rover, Chrysler, Ferrari, to- Ferrari, Toyota, and others being affected if this investigation goes the way of choosing to enforce this petition. Thank you, Testarotti. Now we move to the opinion portion from me on this. And I have to say, let me preface this. I want cars to be safe, of course, I want vision impaired pedestrians to be safe. But if you ask me, this is a ridiculous petition. These 9 million cars from Tesla and others, they were made fair and square under the rules and regulations of the time to retroactively go back and potentially force those cars to be retrofitted with pedestrian warning speakers would create a a significant service issue for those companies and very much including Tesla, as well as even, you know, maybe this is a stretch, but all right, I'm just going to put it out there, potentially taking up resources, engineering resources, production resources that could have been allocated toward making newer, better, safer, more efficient cars overall. So, but even if you want to throw that out, I, I still just stand by my first point there—that that it's just it. Th- these cars were built fair and square under the rules and regulations of the time they were made. And if if you enforce this, let's let's walk down the path here. If you enforce this, who pays for it? You can't make customers pay for it, but it would be equally unfair, in my opinion to ask the manufacturers to do it again, because they built those cars correctly under the rules of the time. And if you think, okay, well make the government pay for it. That's NHTSA's asking for it. They're enforcing it. Make the government pay, make the government pay for it. Well, ultimately that still means customers AKA taxpayers are paying for it. So I just don't think there is a fair way to do this in any way, shape or form with NHTSA. And I think it's, it's a little ridiculous to go back and retroactively change the rules. It just doesn't, it just doesn't make sense to me. So I will be keeping an eye on this one because again, my car would be affected. I would be, if this is enforced, my car would have to get a pedestrian warning speaker system uh, which I guess would require not just the installation of the speaker itself but the different little kind of cowling underneath where there's there would have to be a speaker grill in you know put in on that which is on the you know those newer the newer Teslas all have it so you, you know there's there'd be there'd be a little bit of of work in, involved in this and again I don't want to pay for it it's, I, I don't think I should have to. It's like I'm about to pay off my car in a few months. So we'll see where this goes. This is a really, really uh, interesting situation going on with NHTSA. All right, that's everything I've got for you in the world of Tesla news this week. Stay tuned. Coming up right after this is my interview with the great Sandy Monroe making his second appearance here on the podcast. We're going to talk Cybertruck and a whole lot more coming right up.
1: Hi, this is Franz von Holtzhausen, and you're listening to Ride the Lightning with Ryan McCaffrey, the Tesla unofficial podcast.
0: My guest this week, the teardown titan himself, returning for his second appearance here on Ride the Lightning. Sandy Monroe, good to see you, my friend. Wow, thank you for having me, Ryan.
1: It's uh, it's nice to be back on your uh, on your show.
0: You know, just just to <clears throat> give everybody a reminder, in case because uh, it's been a little while since you've been here. Just you know, I've tried to explain what it is you do and your expertise, because you have such a unique perspective on cars in general, and certainly Tesla and EVs. Can you give the kind of quick Notes version of, of what Monroe and Associates does?
1: In essence, what Monroe and Associates does is um, we, uh, we first off we, we do an awful lot of uh, new product development. So people want to make a new car or whatever, but they want to know what's in the marketplace already. So the thing that you see us doing here at, um, at this facility is we, we take a vehicle to pieces. As we take it to pieces, we put it in our software. The software generates how many hours per vehicle, tells us what the price of each and every component is, Yeah, and we can also figure out what the, uh, the quality levels and the cost of quality might be. We wrap them up, we put them in a report, and then sometimes we spell, sell them bespoke. So they'll go to, um, a Toyota or, a, or a Chrysler or right. a Ford or whomever. And, but all the other times we'll do them on our own. Like we'll tear apart the pieces, put it out and then we'll sell it as a report that anybody can buy that wants it. So that's what you see on, on, um, on the YouTube channel and whatnot. But normally, uh, what you don't see is what happens after
0: that, which is the creation of a new vehicle. Cool. Oh, that is awesome stuff. And I imagine your, you know, your customers are, uh, it may be a a car company wanting to know what their competition is doing, or maybe do they have their own vehicles torn down by you to kind of get an objective analysis of where they can save money, where they can improve. Right. Right. Um, we call that an engineering audit
1: and, um, Uh, most executives, um, in the auto industry, um, have a sincere mistrust for the information that's coming up to them, especially if you happen to be in finance. Um, I was in finance staff when I was at Ford motor company. It was my last job, um, at Ford and they had a sincere mistrust for anything that came out of manufacturing or engineering. And my job, because I came out of those areas was to make sure that whatever came into their hands was actually real it was yeah. uh it was uh viable numbers and whatnot so um many companies will come to us and say here's our product tell us how much it cost <laughs> yeah
0: interesting so, and stuff. that's
1: a that's a fact
0: so uh, i want to jump right into cybertruck because that is sure obviously the most anticipated tesla possibly ever maybe even more than the model three at this point Uh, And it's certainly one of the most unique vehicles to come along uh, in also maybe ever. And and I want to get your take on a couple things. First of all, I have been noticing something in in social media circles lately as these Cybertruck beta build sightings have been picking up. And that is there are grown adults who genuinely actually believe that the truck either isn't real or isn't coming out in the form of we've seen it. So what do you think it is about this thing that is breaking people's brains in such a way? And what do you say to those people if, if they were to come up and tell you that thing's not real, it's not coming out?
1: So, um, here's the thing. Um, there's a psychological problem associated with everybody, you, me, the rest of the world. And, um, and in essence, what it boils down to is when the expectations don't match the results, people physiologically cannot see the data okay this is uh, we call it paradigm paralysis but mm-hmm. the real name is uh, the psychological name is called scotoma when people um who've lived their whole life um in an ice world in a, in a yeah. in an internal combustion world uh when they see something that's radically different doesn't make any noise it costs virtually nothing to power it um it's, um, it, it's quiet and efficient. Um, all these things, it, it doesn't register. It's, uh, it's, it's a really, it's a really, se- uh, well, it's serious. It, it's caused many, many companies to go bankrupt because they can't see the future even when it's sitting in front of them. Yeah. So you bring out something like the cyber truck and there's nobody in it because the ones that are running around right now are, are totally, uh, autonomous. And you see that, and there's no people inside. It doesn't make any noise. It stops at the stoplights. It does everything that a that a car does, but it doesn't make any noise. And I don't understand how electricity works and stuff. That's what's going through their minds. So their expectation is, boom, um, boom, um, boom, um, you know, <laughs> and a big fat guy sitting there driving a big giant truck. And what the results are, um, are no noise and all these other benefits. And so consequently what happens is they, they just can't, it just can't work. It just doesn't work for them. So if you want to hearken back a while, I, I remember my grandfather talking about how when he was young, he worked, he was in the Navy and mm-hmm. he initially was on a steam sailor, which, uh, which was a naval ship that had sails, but it also had the capability to run under steam yeah. with a big prop. And he said when he first got on, on board that ship as a boy, he, he joined the Navy when he was like nine or something about that rate range. When he first got on that ship, he had already seen steamships. Um, uh, they were, they were floating around, but the ship he was on the captain absolutely flat out did not want to use the steam engine because <laughs> he was afraid of it. Huh? Okay. This is a, the captain of, a, you know, a first-rate um, battleship right. from the British Navy. So this thing, this thing has been going on forever. I mean, in the Industrial Revolution, they called these guys Luddites that, uh, that <laughs> didn't want to have, um, you know, uh, weaving machines uh, that, that, that didn't have uh, people associated with them, except for putting on new thimbles. But, but at the end of the day, it's always going to be like that. And the slower, or let me rephrase that. Oh, I don't know how to do this with politically correct. (laughs) So, okay, so all you woke people, put your fingers in your ears. Okay, so the dumber you are, the less likely you're going to be able to absorb and um, and accept what's going on around you. Yeah, it's just it's just the way it is. There's nothing. Your IQ or uh, your your ability to soak up this knowledge is going to be determining how well you think, uh, things are going or how much absorption you're going to be able to take of this new
0: knowledge. So, so you'd say the cyber truck effectively, it's kind of a, it's like a psychological fear of the unknown effectively. Is that kind of a, maybe a good way to sum it's, it up?
1: It's more than that. It's what your brain says. Okay. So here's, here's an example. You go to somebody's house and you've, you've never been there before and it's a party. And, um, and the hostess says um, um, Ryan, could you go and get me the salt and pepper? It's in the, uh, it's in the kitchen and you walk into this glamour palace kitchen and there's crap everywhere. And you're looking <laughs> around your, and your, and your brain is saying, how are we going to find any salt and pepper shakers in here? This is impossible. I can't do this. I can't do this. This isn't going to work. And so you shout back to the hostess. I can't find it, Betty or whatever. And she comes in and right in front of you, the <laughs> salt and pepper, I'll bet you dollars to donuts. You had that situation. Maybe it wasn't salt and pepper, or right. but it was right. It was a snake. It had bit you. That's scotoma. So uh, even when the data is sitting right there in front of you, <laughs> your eyes can't see it because your brain is stronger than yeah. your eyes.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I feel like you're a good person to pose this question to. Obviously, Tesla is going to be the one that ultimately demonstrates this and tells us. But uh, another sort of Thing that I feel is very nonsensical that I see floated around a lot about the Cybertruck is that because it is a hard exoskeleton stainless steel exterior that it's going to be unsafe that it's going to be dangerous in, in an accident. So, and, and to even suggest that when you have Tesla, a company that objectively, per many governments around the world, makes the sa- the safest cars on the planet. It seems ridiculous to even suggest that the Cybertruck is going to be this, this dangerous tank on the street. So with, you know, you're used to you know every piece of every car and you're, you know, you have all this engineering expertise in your head, can you speak to how we can expect the Cybertruck to perform in crash tests and in real-world accidents and how it's actually going to be as safe as any other Tesla is?
1: Well, actually, it's it's going to probably be more safe. That's why I have five of them on order. It's going to be more safe because an exoskeleton has been proven over and over again to be probably the most robust way of of making a product. Now, you mentioned the word tank. Yeah. A tank is an exoskeleton, right? It doesn't have a bunch of ribs inside and things like that. When we developed our aircraft, we had a, an aircraft that we developed. Unfortunately, didn't make it because of uh, uh, the banks melting and everything. When we made that aircraft, we used an exoskeleton technique, and it reduced our weight, increased our strength, and, quite frankly, the longevity of the, an, an exoskeleton aircraft far exceeds anything you can do using a stick-built um, aircraft. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, again, we get into this situation where I've always seen this. I, so that must be correct. Yeah. Anything that's different has to be wrong. And we, and your brain tries to sort that out. It's from being a caveman or something. (laughs) You, you kind of like have this ingrained um, way of doing business based on, based on the paradigms or the, the patterns that you've seen your whole life. Can you imagine what happens when you've got somebody who's got lived in with candles and somebody flips on the electric light? Right. I mean, I mean, there were people uh, it was easy to go from candles and kerosene to gas lights inside your house, although they used to burn your house down. But it was quite a number. Another thing when somebody goes over to the wall, goes flick. And all of a sudden, there's a 100 watt light bulb in the middle of the room illuminating everything. It scared the daylights out of, in fact, if you look at some of these pictures where uh, missionaries usually would, would bring something that would be different, like a flashlight or something, it scared the daylights out of these people. They'd run like there was no tomorrow. It's the same thing. The further down the uh, food chain you are or intelligence level wise, uh, the more likely this stuff's going to frighten you and make you run away.
0: Now, uh, one other bit of goalpost moving I see and, and and I promise we we'll talk about more than just the Cybertruck, but this is you know this is a such a big topic this year in in the auto industry and certainly in the Tesla world. Uh, the, the goalpost movement I see now is, oh well, once they get through their pre-orders, there's going to be no demand for it, nobody's going to want it. Th- th- those people are in for probably quite the rude awakening when the exact opposite of that happens, I expect, yes.
1: Yeah, so the people you're talking about are the same ones who said that Tesla can't make a profit, okay? Yeah. So, um I I asked um I asked Kim, my secretary to download something for me so I could uh, talk about it. What what do you think I I made comments and everybody said, oh, you don't know what you're talking about." Okay, fine. So, what do you think the net profit
0: is on every Tesla sold right now? Well, they're yeah, their margins are what Eighteen percent, I think, something like that per vehicle.
1: They make uh, nine thousand five hundred and seventy-four dollars, according to the um, wow. According to uh, this article here, but they don't have their name yeah, on per it. Per car, okay? <laughs> per car. So, what do you think? Um, now y- you hear a lot about Neil, right? The press loves Neil. Yeah. How much money do they make on one of their vehicles? I'm gonna guess a whole heck of a lot less. How about they lose, lose, Oof. this is brackets in red, $19,141 per vehicle. Wow. Doesn't seem sustainable. Uh, you'd think that. But when it comes to the press, when it comes to, um, that's why I don't do interviews anymore with, uh, with uh, the regular press. Because really what they want to hear is, you know, they want to hear about bleeding, they want to mm-hmm. hear about the big guy who got cut down. Right. We're here to get rid of those giants, those Goliaths. This is another paradigm. And that, that's a paradigm that's going to kill the, uh, the, the normal news media. At the end of the day, Tesla makes somewhere around 10 times as much money as, uh, as Toyota does.
0: Yeah. Unreal. It boils right down to that. Uh, what is the vehicle that's – and EV specifically – that's out there now that you're or coming soon that you're most excited to actually tear down. Uh and if it's if you're gonna say Cybertruck, maybe maybe something else. And I will I will preface this by saying I wanted to get my audience involved in this a little bit this week. So I, I put up a poll a few days ago in anticipation of you coming mm-hmm. on here. And I just gave I I I listed four EVs that I that you know that I know after looking through your YouTube channel that you haven't already torn down because you've done the F-150 Lightning, you've done some of these other ones. Uh, so the winner by a lot, 54% of the vote, was the Lucid Air, uh, was what they would like to see you dig into. Coming in second was the Mercedes EQS. The Hummer EV was right behind that. And uh, the, in, in last, even though I know it, I even noted it'll never happen because there's only 150 of them being made, but the Rimac Nevera. So the Lucid Air, Sandy, is, uh, is what my Tesla audience would love to see you dig into next. Sure.
1: Uh, well, um, <laughs> that's a lot more expensive than, um, so I have to, when we do one of these things, we have to figure out whether there's a return on investment. Sure. And um, there is probably no return on investment if I go and take on a Lucid Air. Uh, not unless I get the thing for free, and my guys are willing to work on weekends for free. Uh, yeah. Who's going to buy the reports? Nobody. Hmm. I think tearing apart a Lucid, I'd love to do that. Um, uh, Peter, the good guy. Sorry, the CEO of um, of Lucid. Uh, I've known no, him. Rolinson, yeah, yeah, Peter Rollinson. I I didn't know anybody know his name, but anyways, Peter Rollinson <clears throat> and I have crossed paths a long time ago like from when he was back at uh, Lotus, I I've known him for, I've known about him and met him and stuff like that for a long time. Um, he is a brilliant engineer and I'd love to see what his team came up with. But, um, I, I just, uh, I can't swing it. I just can't. That's a lot of money. Yeah, It costs us about a million to, to tear apart a car, analyze it, cost it, do all that other stuff. And, um, and then on top of it, you've got a three hundred thousand dollar car. Million and a half bucks is—I'm uh, not <laughs> okay. I can uh, I can afford <laughs> any hot dog on the planet, but uh, I can't really uh,
0: can't really swallow that one. Well, well, how so, about this? This is a great question from one of my listeners named Steve, who you know, kind of in the context of Tesla. Everybody listening to this is a Tesla fan, probably a Tesla owner or a future Tesla owner. Steve was curious, how are the other EVs that you have done teardowns of stacking up to Tesla? Like, Have you liked what you've seen from Rivian, from Ford, from Hyundai slash Kia, from anybody else? Okay, so um, um, without a
1: question of a doubt, um, Ford, the Ford Lightning and the Mach-E have been the most impressive for us. And the closest to get to to get to, uh, to, get to Tesla, um, they don't have the uh, the efficiency that you get with the heating and cooling system that a Tesla has. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of their stuff, some of their stuff is is like, for instance, I was really excited to see there was a drain plug in the front because um, being as I've heard about these parties where you could pour ice in there sure. and, and drop beer inside, and oh. You know, if you got a kid, you could put the milk in there or whatever, but it, this allows it to drain automatically. And we all know how, how important that is to have a successful car party or tailgate party. Sure. So I, I'm, I'm really excited about the little things like that. But at the end of the day, when it comes down to, in fact, um, uh, the president and CEO of Ford, uh, Jim Farley put out a, a note and said, Hey, we just discovered that we've got one point uh, seven kilometers of wire that we don't need. That's a lot of wire. Yeah. Uh and that's a lot of cost. So there's some things like that. In Tesla, we could probably say, well, we could thrift out maybe a few <laughs> a few centimeters of wire. That'd be it. Um they're very effective and efficient. But then you get into other things like um, uh, you know, I really, I've thrown them under the bus so often, a German company, um, that, uh, that we've looked at and you look at that and you go, Oh my God. And that's, it's just, Holy, what were they thinking that there, there's so much variation between these cars. I I've seen good things on Ford products, Hyundai products. Um, um, who else can I think of? Uh, there, we've seen so many, it's hard to, hard, actually BMW. Um, we've seen good things from them too. All these different characters have got some, some things that say, Hey, that looks great. But overall, I mean, uh, on the yardstick of, uh, of, uh, of, um, on my yardstick for EVs. Okay. If you, if you say the, the yardstick is, uh, um, a hundred, uh, you know, a meter stick. Yeah. So hundred millimeters or a uh, hundred uh, centimeters. I would say that Tesla is uh, sitting there at a hundred. And then maybe you got the, the, um, the lightning, which I, the one I was the most enth- enthusiastic about, maybe that's at um, 75, 78. And then mm-hmm. you got the mach that comes in maybe at around, I don't know, 65, 70, and then you got a whole bunch of people that are below fifty. Mm. I don't, I don't see too many, you know, really brilliant uh, designs coming out. Um, and and again, this is because most of the car company executives are old, and they've been living their whole life on the ice, uh, on the train. Somebody, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but and now somebody comes along with something else. What are they going to do? Well, they put the B team on it. Mm. Hey, uh, get, uh, get Charlie and the other kids and, uh, put them on that, uh, put them on that, uh, fancy, uh, electrical
0: vehicle. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, that's what they did. And, uh, so they wound up with what they, cause it takes, it takes anywhere from on the fast side, three to five years to crank out a car. And, uh, they put their bets down several years ago and they bet wrong. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things develop here and the, the over the rest of the decade. I know I've only got you for a few more minutes. Um, the Model Three, which I own, I have a Model Three Performance. I adore that car. It is heavily, heavily rumored to be getting a revamp in the an under the skin revamp in the mm. second half of this year, uh, called Project Highland, is, is apparently the code name yeah. of the project. Now you have famously given Elon Musk and the Tesla team constructive feedback on the Model Three twice. So, uh, assuming that this project Highland revamp is single piece front and rear giga castings, structural battery pack, 4680 battery cells, will, will those things address the concerns that the manufacturing level concerns that you've, you've pointed out to Tesla about the model three?
1: Well, the model three could certainly use, um, um, a few, uh, a few um, uh, strokes of polish, if you like. Um, and um, gigacastings or megacastings would work out real well. I think that um, I've been told, like, so I take a lot of um, uh, information in, and I know that um, the two major companies that, that are producing the casting machines that you need are having a field day selling left, right, and center. Sure. Um, and I know that um, I know that Toyota, Neo, um, who else? Uh, Hyundai. Um, uh, uh, I think BMW and, and Mercedes. All these guys have got orders in now. In fact, uh, uh, they've got so many orders in that the Brule, the, uh, the 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 uh, S- Swiss company. Um, they probably are at capacity now. Uh, Hydra, the other one, mm-hmm. they could probably, they, they're much bigger and they could probably crank them out like left, right, and center. But, but I know that there's, uh, there's, there's quite a few people. And, but they've also got the only 9,000 ton press IdrA does. So that's what everybody's running to them for. I know that not only the, the car companies, but also, um, tier ones are trying to buy those things, but it's not just, it's not just a, um, it's not just castings. There's a lot of things on that car, the, the model three that were refined on the model Y mm-hmm. twice and probably could, uh, could, could get, uh, uh, could get the benefits from what we saw in, when we tore
0: apart the last model Y. How about the new the new Model S and Model X? Have, uh, what are your thoughts on those from, from your again unique expertise?
1: Well, we tore apart the uh, the Model S. Um, for the most part, um, it looks pretty much the same. It's uh, still got the uh, the little batteries in it. It's still got uh, it. And what they've done there is they've upgraded some of the control modules and whatnot to the mm-hmm. ones that went into the three and the Y. <clears throat> those control models are, modules are are much more refined than uh, than what was in the original model S so uh we didn't see as much there as what i think we're going to see out of uh, the next ge- the highland yeah uh, the, the next generation of uh, of the model 3
0: is there anybody out there uh you know the the of the legacy automakers that you see that you think is maybe not long for this world because they're just not taking the transition to EV seriously enough. Not, not that I'm rooting for anybody to go under, but is there anybody mm-hmm. on your, on your, uh, watch list for,
1: yeah, the biggest, the biggest guys have the most to lose. And, um, and I've already watched this happen a couple, three times. Um, I, I will tell you that, um, you know, I've, the biggest car company is, uh, is Toyota. And I was predicting they're going to, they're going to crash and burn. Now, um, I'm changing that tune a little bit because the, uh, the president and CEO, whose name is Toyota, right, with a D, uh, that's a family guy. His grandfather started everything. Finally, they got rid of him, and there's a new guy called Sato. Sato is a smart guy. He's a really good guy. He, um, and Toyota has been known for turning on a dime. Mm -hmm. Um, so my guess is that Sato is probably sending his people out right now to try and figure out how they're going to get first off vertically integrated in battery production. And he's probably sent a lot of the hydrogen people into a broom closet somewhere (laughs) and he's probably going to make things happen. The one that I'm probably the most concerned about is Volkswagen, Mm -hmm. um, they, Even though they uh, seem to
0: be pumping out lots of EVs in the in the Volkswagen family,
1: yeah. Well, uh, Volkswagen makes uh, less money per vehicle than General Motors. Wow. Okay, so uh, I think that I think that the guys that are are going to probably surprise me in my original estimations is going to be Toyota and, Volks- and GM. I I don't know how G. I don't know how Volkswagen. I mean, Volkswagen hours per vehicle is staggering. I don't know how they're going to shut down plants.
0: Hmm.
1: When I saw the Audi, I about peed my pants. I could not believe that they would put an ID four with a with an Audi badge on the front of the nose, (laughs) Uh, and then charge an extra fourteen thousand dollars.
0: The Q four, I believe you're referring to. Yeah, yeah, the Q four. Yeah. Uh, One more, I guess. Yeah, one more question here. This is another great question from a listener. Alex, one of my Patreon backers asks, uh, something that, you know, I think this is not talked about enough. Would, would the, I'm going to just read you the question verbatim. It's an accessibility question. Would the mounting techniques used for the front seats in the 4680 Y, where they're just bolted straight to the, the structural pack, be theoretically adaptable to handling the mounting of a wheelchair lift in the future with a, with a sufficient body, uh, door and body side ring profile. Cause it's, you know, we don't hear a lot about about wheelchair accessible EVs and, and how that's gonna go to, to you know increase accessibility, accessibility pardon me for folks in the future. So uh or or Alex asks, are there still unsolved roadblocks for integrating a floor pan battery design with a wheelchair lift? Okay,
1: so um we uh we do um a fair amount of uh work in that area and um And, uh, yes, the, the short answer is yes. We've seen a couple of, um, a couple of, um, Chinese cars that are very, very accessible for, uh, for the, uh, uh, I don't want to use the word handicapped. I don't know what the new word is, but wheelchair accessible. Mm -hmm. Um, they, uh, the doors are gigantic in the back so they can, because the, the Chinese are much more geared toward the family and uh you're going to have grandma and grandpa living with you along with maybe a fu- uh, an uncle or or something else like that maybe your brother they live together and so they're conscious of what things have to happen so in the skywell the vehicle the chinese vehicle we've got here i mean it's it's easy to slide from like getting out of a wheelchair into the back seat Front streets, front seats are always a problem. Uh, It's a much, much more difficult to make that happen. But I'll tell you, I've seen um, things that came from um, the nineteen fifties and sixties, where the uh, the seat would turn toward the door and move forward, and this was for the people who um, uh, who were from my dad's generation. Yeah, and they came back wounded and things like that, and several different uh, car companies came up with a special seat for that type of person. It won't be wheelchair, wheelchair accessible like what you see now because the battery pack precludes chopping into the, um, um, into the frame. Yeah. You can't, you, you just can't do that. But, uh, but what can happen is a floor can go out, go down, wheelchair gets on, it goes up, comes back in like a bus. And we, we helped uh, MCII bus with that very same thing um, quite a while ago. And th- that, that type of a product worked remarkably well. Make sure your floor sits a, a little bit higher. Yeah. You need an extra step to get out of the bus if you're walking. But that's easy peasy for people who have the ability to walk. But having that little extra um, something to, to make it so that a wheelchair can get in and out of a bus that was a kind of a big thing.
0: Uh, last question for you, Sandy, we are, yeah. we know we're going to be hearing something about Tesla's generation three platform as they've been referring to it coming up at their investor day in just a couple of weeks, March 1st from a manufacturing perspective. What are your predictions for that new platform? I know
1: what I'd like to see. <clears throat> so when you get to a, um, a smaller vehicle, a C size, BC size vehicle, um, Things change a lot. You can change a lot of things. And one of the things I'd like to see is that instead of using aluminum for, uh, for a platform, I'd like to see them go to um, one of the stronger structural plastics as the, the lower section. That way, uh, the battery can be built right into the floor pan. Hmm. There's no reason why I can't do that. That would bring down the price significantly. And then dropping a body on top of it, be a piece of cake. Uh, I think that that's what I'd like to see. Will that happen? I'm not a hundred percent sure, but to get to a low cost vehicle with castings and all the other, you know, razzle dazzle stuff we've got right now, might be a bit tough. It, it, it's going to be very difficult to, uh, hit the weight, um, weight targets and things like that. But by the way, you were mentioning Austin, uh, and the, uh, I don't know if you're aware of it, but um, my calendar freed up a little bit, and I'm going to be there. Excellent. Corey and I are both going to be there, so you have an exclusive. Nobody knows. <laughs> we didn't. Uh, we haven't told anybody yet. But uh, but yeah, we're going to be down there. So uh, I'll get. Maybe I'll get a chance to see something.
0: Yeah, previously. I mean, I, I expect there's going to be tours of the pre-production Cybertruck line, and probably the model the, the Model Y line with the structural pack and, and the and the gigacasting. Yeah. So. Should be a a fun time for anybody that gets to go. Sandy Monroe, uh, the head honcho at Monroe & Associates, the teardown titan himself. Sandy, thanks so much for making the time. And by the way, congratulations on 350,000 YouTube subscribers. The last time you were here on this podcast, I think you had just started the channel, and that's what you were out promoting. So 350K, awesome milestone. Congrats to you.
1: Yeah, well, um, the guy that was going like... uh, with his hands in the air a few minutes ago, is Eric. And um, he's, he's probably mostly responsible for that. Corey and I go into a song and dance, but, uh, but Eric brings it all together and keeps people listening with, uh, with the thumbnails and everything else. Yeah.
0: Go to youtube.com slash Monroe Live to check out Sandy's excellent YouTube channel. You can see teardowns of not just Teslas, but lots and lots of other vehicles as well. Sandy, thanks so much. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. I am very grateful to Sandy Monroe for taking some time to come back here on Ride the Lightning. Talk some Tesla, talk some Cybertruck. That was fun. Uh, The Ride the Lightning hotline. I will get back to that next week since I had the Sandy Monroe interview just now. So keep your calls coming. If there's something you'd like to comment on, any any Tesla-related question, comment, or discussion topic, send it my way. You can either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many callers each week as possible, and then email that file to me at the email address teslapodcast at gmail.com. Or the other way to call in is to just take that same 90 second or less question, call in and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline. It's a toll free number you can dial anytime and that number is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. All right. Uh, just to wrap up the podcast here, a couple of quick things. This is the part of the show where I tell you what I'm up to with my car and my life. I have a little Daisy news to share this week. Unfortunately, it's not quite great. It's not horrible. Uh, so Daisy had a Holter monitor, a heart monitor, a uh, strap to her. This, I think, I, yeah, that was last week. I told you about that last week. So got the results there. And the short version is things mostly looked good, with as far as the irregular heartbeats, uh, but there was a run of like six super fast heartbeats in a row. And that is a red flag uh, to the point where like I'm, I, she told me that, you know, that's a thing where potentially in a worst case, you know, in one scenario, it could cause her to collapse. If you get something like that, or if it goes on any longer, and the worst case scenario is if, if it were the wrong thing, it, it could actually be fatal. So uh, we are starting on some heart medication for Daisy, which, you know, it, it, it makes me a little sad because she's not even six. She's only five and a half. But uh, I Maggie, the boxer, of course, as many of you will remember, she had a heart condition that was diagnosed at seven. I think she actually had it a good bit earlier than that. And, you know, that with that one, we had to dial the meds up and, you know, we had to tweak the meds here and there. But when when Maggie was 10 you know she passed away at 10 and a half, not of anything with the heart like her heart was was totally fine. Like the medication was had her heart just singing uh, even right up to the end. So my hope is that the the uh, medication that's that Daisy's going to be starting here, which is sodalol, which is. Uh, humans take it, I'm told, and it's the nice side effect bonus of that is it's dirt cheap. Not that, not that I would let price stand in my way of taking care of you know doing anything I can for Daisy, but uh, that's at least a nice bonus. So hopefully this medication is gonna just just iron that those irregular heartbeats right out and get her heart doing exactly what it needs to do. I mean the good news is structurally her heart's great. You know, again, she made a full recovery and she has held it from, from the, the troubles that came about. Uh, you know, gosh, actually it's, it's two years ago right now. It was, uh, yeah, it was two, exactly two years ago that I had took her to emergency and this whole, you know, she was coughing like crazy and turned out her heart was giant and super enlarged and her lungs were full of fluid. And so her heart is normal size, normal function, just got a little, you know, basically an electrical issue, a little, a little minor electrical issue going on now. So hopefully we'll be able to iron that out. I have full, full, full confidence in our veterinary cardiologist. I mean, she's been nothing but amazing. She saved, she she made Daisy fully recover from something she wasn't supposed to fully recover from. So anyway, a little stressful this week for me, but ultimately I'm, I'm staying pretty optimistic. I'm feeling pretty good about it. I think she's going to be good for a long time. Uh, quick entertainment recommendation for you and I apologize if I've already said this one. I, I can't remember if I did, but on Xbox, if you've got an Xbox, new game Hi-Fi Rush. It it was released out of nowhere a couple of weeks ago and it is outstanding. It is a a rhythm action game with a, with a just super cheesy story but it, it like leans into it knows it's cheesy. It looks like a cartoon, like it could totally be a Saturday morning cartoon, although I guess me saying Saturday morning cartoon dates me, but <laughs> some of you some of you will be like, yeah, yeah, and others will be like, what? What do you mean Saturday morning? The younger folks are like, wait a minute, Saturday morning cartoon, what does that have to do with anything? You can watch cartoons anytime you want. Anyway, uh, Hi-Fi Rush is on Xbox Game Pass. It is just full of joy. Like, it's a very joyous game. It's fun to play give it a try. Uh, It is definitely really good. How about a pro tip of the week? Let me get to that, get to circle us back to some Tesla content here before I go. Here's a pro tip of the week from Peter in Vancouver.
2: Hi, Ryan. This is Peter from Vancouver, Canada. You've had some discussions recently about the Yoke steering wheel on the refresh Model S and X. I've had a Model S with the Yoke for a year and a half now, and it only took me a couple of weeks to get used to it the muscle memory development for the turning indicators is really easy. However, the horn button on the right-hand side and the headlight button on the left-hand side are really not intuitive whatsoever. I did find a pretty easy workaround, I think, and that is to put one drop of clear crazy glue on the horn indicator on the right and on the headlight indicator on the left. One drop, when dry, creates a slight embossment, which is easily felt and virtually invisible. Now all is right in the world of Tesla. Keep up the good work, Ryan. I enjoy your podcast every week. Thanks a lot. Take care. Bye.
0: Peter, thank you very much for that suggestion. As you can tell from where in the podcast I've chosen to play this, I decided to go ahead and classify this one as a pro tip for any yoke-wielding Model S or Model X owners that wanna give this a try. I think this is some good MacGyver-like thinking here. Cheers, Peter, thank you so much. And if anybody else out there has a good pro tip of the week, feel free to send it my way to the same place that you send those Ride the Lightning Hotline calls, which I told you about just a few minutes ago. All right, let me mention some friends of the podcast. Perhaps they can be of use to you, starting with abstractocean.com. So many great aftermarket Tesla accessories. In fact, I'm going to take a quick look. I like to just check in with them every now and again. I'm going to check for Model 3 here. What's uh, Let's see what's doing in the Model 3 department. Glow-in-the-dark handle covers. That's kind of cool. I like that. I've definitely fumbled around for my door handles in my dark garage from time to time. It's got a nice look based on the picture as well. Uh, An automatic phone dash mount. That's nice as well. A super hydrophobic camera cover for the uh, back, you know, the rear facing camera to keep any mud and dirt off of it. A mini dash display that can go into your air vent there for a three in the Y. So just lots of different things. Check it out abstractocean.com that's just a quick sampling when I was scanning the, the page just on the Model 3 and pile everything that you like into your online shopping cart and then when you get to check out use the coupon code Podcast to get 15% off of your first order that's Podcast, all one word no spaces thank you very much to Abstract Ocean for continuing to offer that discount to the Ride the Lightning audience the snap plate for the Model 3, Model Y, Model X, and Model S as well can be found at everyamp.com slash RTL. That is your front license plate bracket that if you got to have one or you want to have one, this is the one I recommend using. Don't use the one that Tesla gave you because it sticks to the car, the front of the car with automotive adhesive and it will leave, it will leave behind. Uh, or it'll be real annoying to, to clean up if you decide to install it at any point, whether it's when you sell the car or you take it, up, take it off yourself. Use a snap plate, which again, get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL. It'll go on safely and securely, but when it comes off, it will leave nothing behind. You can put it on for those uh, parking meters so you don't get a ticket, you can put it on if you're going through a toll booth or you know a toll road or a bridge. You can take it off if you're going to be at a car show or you're detailing your car. Check it out. Everyamp.com slash RTL. Budgetsafesolar.com. Check them out as an alternative at the very least because you're going to want to get quotes for, for solar from multiple sources. Yes, Tesla's going to be one of them as it was for me. Maybe Budgetsafesolar.com will work for you. I am at I'm on the, the like, not even the one-yard line trying to get this thing into the end zone. I'm at, like, the the one-foot line to get this thing through, just waiting on the final step where it's flicked on and we're good to go, because we, we actually we got our permission to operate from uh, PG&E, the local utility provider. So my hope is that by next week's podcast, when I get to this part of the show, I will be able to tell you that, I've got my solar going and that the the podcast is powered by the sun. That is the hope for this time next week. But anyway, uh, if you are going to get some solar for your home, maybe for your business, maybe both, check out budgetsafesolar.com. And if you do decide to proceed with an installation, use the referral code RTL. Immaculatereflections.com. Check them out at irdetailing.com. Uh, if you want to see some examples of their work on Yelp, their Yelp page is yelp.com slash Reflections. The Instagram page is immaculate underscore reflections, and you are going to be happy if you take your car there. I promise you that if you're going to be in the greater San Francisco Bay Area, you cannot go wrong bringing your car to immaculate reflections. Maybe you want to do some paint protection film over the front of the car or most of the car or all the car, as I have done, maybe you want to do paint correction to get all those flaws out of the paint, get it looking as perfect as it possibly can. Maybe you want to do ceramic coating, which is the you know modern version of a wax. It lasts three to five years, so you don't have to worry about it. You just hose the car down, just clean it, and you're done. No need to wax, because that ceramic coating will take good care of you for multiple years. Anyway, IRdetailing.com. Use the website there to reach out to Immaculate Reflections and and, uh, get scheduled with them. Mention that you are a Ride the Lightning listener, and there's a nice little discount waiting for you. PureTesla.com slash RTL. You probably know what I'm going to say. Your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode setups. They use a micro SD-based drive, which is gonna be more reliable long-term for the constant reading and writing that comes with the dash cam and sentry mode. They have a 128-gigabyte kit for $49. There's also a 256-gigabyte kit for $69. Comes fully formatted out of the package, ready to go, plug it straight into your car, and you're all set. Ships free anywhere in the U.S., or a you know minor shipping free, shipping fee, if you're shipping worldwide, they also have the nice wireless game controller kits as well if you do a lot of gaming in your Tesla and want to check that out. So puretesla.com slash RTL. Finally, the Patreon, I mentioned it at the top of the podcast. The support tiers start at 5 bucks a month for uh, Ride the Lightning, or that would be, what, $54 per year if you do the annual with that 10% discount. Uh, And... And for, in return for the basic the, that first tier, you get early access to the podcast each and every week, which means this episode you'd have gotten access to even earlier than usual, since I had to record it a bit early. But this is Patreon is the way, the primary way through which you can choose to support this podcast, uh, if you like. And I hope at some point you will strongly consider doing so, and then you will do so. We will strongly consider it, and then you will do it. Uh, because, you know, hopefully you get a lot out of the podcast. I put a lot into it, and I hope that comes through. You know, a lot of time, a lot of research, a lot of energy, a lot of love and enthusiasm. So if you do want to support me on Patreon, the place to go to is Patreon.com slash Tesla Podcast. Patreon spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. You can email me anytime. My email address is teslapodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram with the same handle, DMC underscore Ryan. And if you're not already subscribing to the podcast on your favorite podcast service, that is a thing you can do for free on any of those major podcast services. And if you do so, it just means that the podcast will be pushed out to you automatically each time there's a new episode, which is every Sunday at 9am Eastern, 6am Pacific, unless you're with me on Patreon, in which case you get it earlier. But uh, the big podcast services you can find me on include Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. I'm also on YouTube in audio only form. Just search Ride the Lightning Tesla on YouTube and you will find me there. Finally, I want to give a shout-out and a thank you to all of the high-level Patreon backers, the extra-generous folks backing me at the Plaid, Maximum Plaid, and Roadster in Space tiers. I'll start with the Plaid tier, which has been uh, which has been phased out, but these very kind folks continue to kindly and generously back me at that level. Thank you very much to George Cassioppo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dory and Steve Guberman, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanias, the Lydia family, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J House, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla Owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zalesny, Ish. Not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. Next up, the maximum plaid backers. A big thank you goes out to Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisneski, Gil Cabrera, Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Corey O'Donnell, Aaron, John Cody, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB. We Drive, Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, HaloBengals.com, Chris Pratt, Ken Epstein, Doug Carey, James Gregory, and Adam Lavoie. So many of those names turned up. We, I had, the, I think, the biggest turnout yet for the monthly Zoom Hangout for the Maximum Plaid crew uh, that, that I do every month for that group. There were, gosh, yeah, we had like 20-something people there. It was great. It was a lively, fun conversation. Really, really fun. Now, if you're in that group and you couldn't make it for whatever reason, you weren't there. The recording of it is on Patreon for you. So just jump on the Patreon page and you can listen back to it if you like. And finally, an extra big thanks to the Roadster in space tier backers. Thank you very much to Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacoveto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, and Kara Weston. And with that, it is time for me to head on out of here. This has been the palindramatic episode 393 of Ride the Lightning, your weekly Tesla unofficial podcast, coming at you every single Sunday since August of 2015. Very proud of that. You can count on this podcast. So I uh, hope you've enjoyed it. If you've made it this far, I trust that you have. So for a snoozing Daisy the Boxer and a probably also snoozing, she's not in this room, Zelina the Future Service Dog, I am Ryan McCaffrey. Happy electric motoring, my friends, and I will see you back here next week.